This is Jim Minion from Two Loose Screws. I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Sean Bono! It's all about the Sean Bono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet before we nursed. But listen, Laverne, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. You have found the second hour of the Barbecue Central show. It's a show that talks about barbecue and grilling type items. And we do it right here on each and every Tuesday evening from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. It is a show that is also being recorded at the same time and sent to various podcast directories. So if you miss the live show, you can enjoy the show on podcast. You know, I caught a little bit of crap for as great as the Howard Stern mention was. Howard said, well, I heard you listen to a barbecue podcast. Well, technically, Howard, if we're being... Truthful, it's a show. It's not a podcast. It also is being recorded for those who want to listen to it as a podcast, but it is not a podcast. This is a live show. This is happening, if you're listening to this at any other time than between Tuesday at 9 to 11 Eastern, you will think this is a podcast, but nothing is edited. This is all happening Right here, right now, on Tuesday, between those 120 minutes, live. So as you hear it, Wednesday and Thursday, and then the best of on Friday. Now, of course, Friday is a podcast traditionally, but that was all live show, too, that John uses and that he's pulling from. So this is absolutely a live show that is aired over the Internet. Global. I don't just have national syndication. I do have global syndication. Uh I have a lot of power. So while many people are younger than me and many people have better social skills than me, nobody has a global platform much like me. I win. I win. So it is a show first, which also happens to record itself and send the archives up for a podcast type experience that's what it is it's a podcast type experience okay lest anybody ever get me confused with podcasts that don't have the balls to go live and do their whole show out there for everybody to enjoy and let's see what happens because it would be kind of bad it would be really bad for a lot of people and sometimes people that do podcasts don't use the magic tool of editing. I mean, that's what podcasting is all about. Figure it all out in the long form and then spend the time, the time to go in and edit and make it sound good. Forget this old mindset of podcasting is romantic because it's raw, man. Screw raw. Well, screw raw. That's... I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying forget about that. Lose that mindset. Be raw in your long-form interview, and then use editing a lot. Use editing a lot. If you think you have edited too much, continue to edit further. Your listeners will appreciate it. It just so happens I have happened to work really hard at speaking well and putting thoughts together and being able to conduct interviews that fit within certain time frames. It just takes practice, and I'm really good at it, and most of you aren't good at it. But most of you aren't really good at podcasting either. So my advice, my 
expert, expert, most expert advice to use. If you're in podcasting, you're going to get into podcasting. Get the long form stuff down. Record the show, however it happens, because there's going to be a lot of good stuff in there. And then edit out all the crap. And don't be afraid to be very self-critical on what you think is crap and what you don't think is crap. Most of it's going to be crap. Edit it out. It's better to go a little shorter than it is to go a little longer. Because if people become under the impression that you're always going longer with worse, they're going to stop listening. It's always better to leave wanting, right? Leave leave wanting. That draws them back. Oh, maybe next week he'll get it all out. Maybe next week could go a little longer. That's what she said. Uh-oh. Never happens either. Edit. Self-edit. Self-edit a lot. Self-edit a lot more than you should. If you're doing a 60-minute show or if you if you make a 60 to 80-minute recording, are you telling me there's not 25 to 30 minutes that can get yanked out? I think there is. Save that stuff maybe for an extra blooper reel or something. Don't be afraid to edit. Come on. All right, still to come on the show this evening, the Embedded Correspondence segments, because it is the fourth Tuesday of the month, if you can believe it. We are into the bone. Nope. Is that right? Where are we at? 23rd? 23rd? Oh, yes. We have bonus week next week. July is a bonus month, five weeks long. Lovely. Love that. Extra week of July. But we are through it. Soon enough, we'll be in the month eight, 2019, rapidly coming to a close. Don't forget, you can follow me socially on Instagram and Twitter at BBQ Central Show slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. You can friend me there. Uh, Well, don't friend me, but just like my page. Uh, Once again, I will point out, I do have a personal page on Facebook. And if you have requested to be my pal on my personal page and you haven't seen that acceptance come through, uh, keep waiting because it's not coming through. I don't use my personal page. I am held hostage by Facebook because I have to have a personal page in order to have a show page, which is stupid. I don't really post anything on my personal page. That's why I'm not accepting your friend. Just like my show page. That's all That's why. That's all we really want to know about each other, that I'm going to put on a show on a Tuesday, and you're going to like that show on Tuesday. So just go like the page and follow it. Make sure that it shows up in the news feeds. So when I post something on that page, you'll see it first. Coming up this Friday on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, episode 82. 82! Holy moly. Taking you back to May 2014. Second Tuesday of the month, regular guest Meathead from AmazingRibs.com was on. At that point, we were talking in depth about the thermodynamics of cooking. That was a great segment. Also, barbecue legend, West Coast legend, Harry Sue from Slap Yo Daddy Barbecue appeared. And we talked about, at that point, him switching sides. So everybody knows Harry as a competitor. And not only a competitor, but one who really likes to uh, have as small of a carbon footprint as possible. And he, I think on many occasions, has brought like one cooker and he's done his whole competition on one 18 and a half inch Weber kettle. So he's really into that. But we talked in 2014, May 2014, about him going from competitor to judge And he talked about his experience judging instead of taking part in the competition to someone turning in. So make sure that you subscribe to the show's podcast feed, even though it is a show that then turns into a podcast. Uh, You do have to be subscribed to the feed in order to get the Friday show, which is a podcast. Can I be more gray here? Can I confuse everybody as much as possible? I'm really trying hard to do that. That shows up on Friday and is produced by John Solberg, who happens to be the Michigan Embedded Correspondent. A couple weeks ago, we had Pat LaFrida on. We talked about plant-based beef or beef alternatives, Impossible Burger, Beyond Burger. Uh, Pat thought that there was a place in the segment, but he thought that patties were not the way or competing with burgers was not the way. I don't know if you saw this. 
Uh, this happened about a week ago or so. Impossible Foods now developing fishless, fishless fish. Uh-oh. Fishless fish. Impossible Foods, purveyor of the world's famous meat-free Impossible Burger, now developing an alternative to fish in response to the growing market for plant-based foods and to combat depleted ocean populations like the company's vegan beef replacements. These fishless fish would be made using a secret heme, secret ingredient that mimics the taste and aroma of meat, or in this case, seafood. According to a new report by the New York Times, Impossible has already successfully created an anchovy-flavored broth made with plants. Pat Brown, the company's CEO, told the outlet that it's currently being used to make paella, but that it could also be used to make Caesar dressing. Beyond beef and fish, Impossible is striving to develop alternatives for every animal-based food by 2035. It's unclear whether or not the goal is attainable in such a short period of time. But Brown told the newspaper he's confident that the current plant-based beef recipe is malleable enough for other protein options. So Impossible Burger is out and fishless, fishless fish could be on the way. MSN.com with that report. Embedded correspondence coming out. Jason King, isn't that a... Isn't that just a fish stick already? No. Fish sticks are fish, believe it or not. Kinger, shoot a video on how much fish is in fish sticks. The better test would be taking the fishless, fishless, fish, the fishless fish from beyond and then doing a side-by-side comparison with fish sticks. By the way, fish sticks, delicious. If you were wondering... Also delicious are Green Mountain Grills. That's right. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Three different sizes to choose from. The big one is the Jim Bowie. The medium size is the Daniel Boone. The travel model is the Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett introducing originally that 12-volt power technology. So if you don't have access to a traditional power outlet, all you have to do is plug in the Jim Bowie, or I'm sorry, the Davy Crockett and 12-volt outlet of your car, and away you go. And you get... Pretty decent capacity with the Davy Croc. I mean, you're not jamming six and eight butts in there, but you probably get a couple at least. Now, they also have a new Prime line that's been out for most of the year. This one uh, built on a little bit more of a sturdy chassis and or frame. Has a peek-in window in the main cooking chamber, a peek-in window on the pellet hopper, two internal meat thermometers, a whole bunch of new tech, including the 12-volt technology that the Davy Crockett has. They also have a number of great cooking compliments to go along with it. Should I say accessories? I will. Pellets, sauces, spices, rubs, other great accessories that will make your cooking more efficient. You head over to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com and check out everything they have to offer. And if you get the Jim Bowie or the Daniel Boone, don't forget to pick up that pizza oven as well. Go to the dealer's. They teach the dealers, the dealers teach you. Everybody's happy all the way around. We're back with the Embedded Correspondence segment. Stick around. We'll be right back. Giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. 
Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month, and that means a refiring of the ever-popular Embedded Correspondence segment, David Huff, Doug Scheiding, John Solberg, and, of course, Steve Ray making his uh, second appearance in the second hour, or his first appearance in the second hour, second appearance on the show in total this evening. Uh, so, gentlemen, always appreciate you guys coming on here in the fourth Tuesday of the month. We have a bonus week next week here in July, but we are racing through it. Doug and I are wearing the same T-shirt tonight, which I find incredibly endearing to the host, so thank you to Doug for that. Uh, we're going to start with burgers this evening, and that was a topic. You know, I forget exactly uh, where it was spawned exactly, but uh, I would imagine between the five of us, we've eaten roughly 780 tons of hamburgers over our live fire lives. But, geez, it's just one of those things that when done right, a few things beat a properly cooked hamburger, and I thought it would be fun to do a little hamburger round table so absolutely let's start with david huff from oklahoma and we'll start right at the beginning david are you a pre-ground fan are you a grind your burger fan are you it's whatever mood strikes you fan uh what kind of uh, grind guy are you and uh, we'll start to build in and go around the table from there Sure. So um, I don't have my own grinder. That's one of the things on my wish list. But for my friends who have grinders that have used them, I absolutely prefer to grind them at home. Then you can experiment with brisket or different types of meat. If you got to buy it at the store, as long as you trust your butcher, you know, an 80-20, maybe 85-15, something like that, that's fine by me. What about you, Doug? Yeah, I, I don't have a grinder yet, but that's on my wish list. But uh, yeah, I like to... Uh, Actually, my pre- preference is to buy the patties already made in eight ounce patties. So I prefer to do that. And where do you do you have a purveyor of choice? Uh, no, I actually just buy the uh, ground uh, uh, brisket at my local at my local uh, grocery store. And uh, to make the patties, if I have to buy, I use this uh, pickle lid. To, to make the patties into the right shape and size. You you, sh- you shove the meat inside of the lid? Yeah, I put it I put it down into a little ball yeah. and then I I shove the the meat down uh the lid down on the meat and it puts it into the proper size that huh. I like. How about that? All right. Uh Steve Ray, are you a grind your own guy or a already done guy? No, I've got a grinder. I'm, I I've tried it a couple of times. I I don't use it. I'm like Doug, I go buy it. I go to the grocery store buy the uh 80-20 ground chuck, right off, already padded out, separated by wax paper. Usually there's uh, six to a bag, six to a bag, four to a bag, and uh, that's what I use. Now, they, they do a good job. Just convenient for you, Steve, or have you found the, 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 the taste to be that much better in the already ground stuff? Uh, no, the taste is the same. If I, if I, if I buy it 80-20 in bulk and I've, I've got a uh, – I've got a hamburger masher thing, you know, that makes hamburgers. Uh, the taste is the same. It's just, but it's just so much easier because it seems like that they hold together better than mine do. Hmm. All right. Uh, John Solberg, what about your grind? I'm all of the above guy. Um, I will take frozen patties. Thanks to Greg Rampy and the barbecue central show. I will buy the pre-made patties. I will form patties. I will grind my own. And I just want to throw out there to grind your own hamburger. You do not need to own a meat grinder. If you have a chef knife or a food processor, you can accomplish the same thing. Hmm. Um, do you do you enjoy a taste over one or the other, John? Uh, if I'm going to grind a burger, I really enjoy a 50-50 chuck to sirloin mix. <clears throat> and that is my probably my all-time favorite mix in burger. All right, uh, David, I saw you shaking your head at the guys that were buying uh, pre-portioned patties. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a snobbery on your part or if you feel like they're missing out on an experience. Um, if you're cooking for a, um, a large group of people, I have no problem for convenience buying a pre-made patty. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and make 30 or 40 hamburger patties, something like that. But if I'm cooking for a group of, you know, eight to 10, I believe that if you patty it yourself, you can treat the hamburger meat. I mean, you're, you're not... You're not handling it as much. You can patty it loosely, and I think it makes for a, a more tender burger. 
All right, David. So let's stay with you here. So as we get into the pre-cooking events, so you've uh, ground your beef. However, we're ready to go. So let's talk yep. about how you make a patty and what you're doing for seasoning if you do it at this point. Okay, so I don't know how much time I'm going to have here. Just but go. I we got plenty of time. Okay. I've conducted three experiments based on three kind of myths or thought processes when people cook burgers. Um, one of those is how often do you flip the burger? Um, people have said you only flip it one time because it's going to be less juicy the more you mess with it. But then I was watching Chopped a couple weeks ago, and Alex uh, Gornicelli, I believe is her name, she said, oh, that guy's flipping his burgers a lot. That's good. He's redistributing the juices. Hmm. I'd never thought of it like that. So I wanted to do a test on flipping burgers. I also wanted to do a test on do you season the patty throughout the meat when you're uh, when you're making the patty, or do you only season the outside of the burger, and does that have an impact on the final result? All right. And then the last thing I wanted to test is the divot that we've all heard about. You know, if you don't put that divot and you hand patty, what kind of shape do you come out with? Because a lot of people get that hockey puck or that burger that is domed up and very difficult to eat because it's skinnier on the edges and bigger in the middle. What does that have, if any, effect on the final results? <clears throat> so I did flipping, and here's how I did it, and I'll run through this very quickly. 80-20 ground chuck, I did not season the burger for the flipping test. Um, eight ounce patties made to roughly one inch thick, and I used a mold with very light pressure to get the thickness the same on all the patties. I used a flat surface grate, grill grates, with an average of 535 degrees surface temperature checked with an IR thermometer, and the range was about 20 degrees from the hottest spot to the coolest spot, so it was fairly consistent. Cooked it on a gas grill just for uniformity to make sure that the temperatures were as even as possible. And then I had uh, a total of eight patties that I cooked for a total of eight minutes apiece. I flipped two of them every 30 seconds, two of them every minute, two of them every two minutes, and two of them I only flipped one time at mm. the four-minute mark halfway through. All right. I rested them for five minutes, and then I weighed them again to see how much they had lost from eight ounces to check for moisture loss. Yep. And then I tempt them to check for doneness as well as cut them open and looked at appearance. At appearance. So here's the results. As expected, the most flipped, starting at 30 seconds, they fell apart. I tried to hold the parts that fell apart together for the total weight loss. It was difficult. The other shapes all held throughout the cooking process. The most flipped lost 31 to 33% of their total weight from the beginning. So from eight ounces, they were down to 5.3. That was the most lost. Um, the ones that were only flipped once, they lost 25%. So is it noticeable, 33 to 25%? I don't know. I'd say that's negligible. But they did lose the least amount of moisture. The crust was noticeably better on the one flip and the three flip. So the least flip burgers, the crust had formed much better. Sure. Here's the interesting part. The cooked burgers that I'm sorry, the flipped burgers actually cooked much, much more quickly. At eight minutes, they averaged 140 degrees internal temperature, where the ones only flipped once averaged 128. Whoa. And I'm guessing that's because as you have the crust forming and only heat coming from one side, the other side's not getting heat at all except for indirect. The ones that are flipped more, you're warming the patties up more evenly from both sides, and they're going to cook faster because you don't have a cold side and a crust on the bottom to protect the heat. Mm. Hypothesis on my part. Um, at the end of it, uh, our, all burgers remained juicy enough that the people that tested them um, when they ate them felt like that was still an enjoyable burger. But the winner was the burger that was flipped every two minutes, so a total of three times because it had the best combination of crust, moisture, and speed so if you were cooking to a temperature say 135 it's going to reach that that temperature about two minutes faster than than the burgers cooked uh that only flipped once and that, and that was those were that was the burger that was flipped every two minutes every two minutes for a yep. total of three times right. yep wow yep look at you okay seasoning nice that's some great research there, by the way, David. Appreciate you doing oh, Let me tell you, as a big guy from Oklahoma, I didn't mind eating all those burgers. i got to tell no you, problem. I am surprised uh, that the um, that the ones that you were flipping, was the first one every 30 seconds? 
It was. It was every thirty oh, okay. seconds. Well, that's the problem. I think if you if that first flip could have waited a minute and a half, maybe two minutes, and then you started flipping every thirty seconds from there, probably would have yep. stayed together a little better. But thirty seconds on the on the griddle for anything, even if it was at nine hundred degrees, that thing's going to be falling apart. So that's that's a shame. I think Agreed. that one probably would have been pretty good. All right. Uh, yep. So uh, continue. I'm sorry. Okay. Seasoning: two patties, both eight ounces. Used exactly a half teaspoon of Steve. Butcher's Grilling Addiction, of course, my favorite seasoning for burgers. Um, exactly a half teaspoon, and I seasoned one patty throughout before I formed it, and the other one I waited and seasoned only the two surfaces, and then I let it set on there for 10 minutes before I put it on the grill. Cooked them eight minutes. I flipped them every two minutes since that's the one I liked best from the first test, and then hard to judge this one without having people taste it, so I had my family and friends taste the burgers blindly without telling them which one was which and give me the results. And I was checking for flavor, impact on moisture, and a lot of people will say if you season the meat throughout, the meat becomes more rubbery or has a firm texture, so Mm. that's what I was looking for. All right. Here's the results. No impact on temperature, doneness, or speed of cooking. So essentially, they cooked the same. The weight loss was equal at 28%, no difference in weight loss, so moisture retention theoretically. The crust was only slightly better on the seasoned burger on the outside. Now, I didn't use kosher salt and coarse black pepper like I typically would. With grilling addiction, I think that's a finer powder, which probably Mm -hmm. meant that it didn't necessarily help to improve the crust on the burger seasoned on the outside. The over the, the overwhelming majority said that the seasoned burger had a more intense flavor from the seasoning because it was seasoned throughout. But it was also unanimous that the meat seemed less tender and did in fact have a more rubbery consistency. Really? Not necessarily juiciness, but it felt more firm even though it was cooked to the identical temperature as the one that was seasoned only on the crust. On the flip side, they all said the outside seasoned burger only seemed a little less seasoned, but it was definitely more turn, uh, more tender. And all of the people, and there were about eight total, seasoned on the outside was their preferred burger for texture and seasoning combination. Mm, interesting. Yep. Right. And then the last one was pretty straightforward with the divot. One burger I patted by hand. One burger I hand patted and then put the divot in it. And then the last burger I used my press to get uniform, as Steve and Doug were talking about, with the frozen patties have a much more uniform shape than yep. doing it by hand. Cooked them the same way as above. The results were both the ones done by hand and the one with the divot done by hand, both domed up anyway, regardless of the divot. Mm. And the burger that held its shape better was the one that was more uniform from the beginning, which was done in the press so that was kind of more straightforward but the divot did not help that i saw over the patty made by hand without the divot and the divot is so supposed to uh help retain moisture is that what it you is know, the divot is to help as the burger cooks you'll get that dome effect where burgers done by hand they said without the divot would be larger in the middle thicker in the middle mm. and then come down on the side so it'll balloon up essentially the divot was supposed to help that balloon come back up and make it an even surface and an even thickness it didn't appear to work you'll see bobby flay always talk yes, about divot, i was gonna that was, i was just gonna say bobby flay i think yeah. divots everything that he makes um I also looked it up on the internet, and there are people that have done the divot test, and nobody said that they had seen a a significant difference in the divot and the not divot. Hmm. So it kind of matched the findings. All right. Good for you. David Huff, bringing the heat, as it were. Oklahoma Embedded Correspondent. All right. uh, So let's slide over initially to Doug. And, uh, Doug, let's talk about your seasoning process and, like, pre-cooked stuff. What do you do? Okay, I've I've always heard uh, that you don't season the inside of the meat. Um, it's not a meatloaf; uh, it's a burger, so you season just the outside. So I uh, did a little research, and I actually found a uh, a very good article by is it uh, uh, Kinji uh, Kinji Lopez Alt. Y- yes, yep. yes, yes. So he actually uh, did a, a pretty detailed study on this and seasoning the entire burger, you know, the all of the meat or just the outside. And his recommendation, he's he's got a, uh, an article, and I'll be glad to, to send it to anybody that wants it. Um, basically, he says breakfast sausage is seasoned throughout the meat. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because the salt actually destroys a little bit of the meat fibers, and that's that's what makes it 
less tender. So I think, David, you, you kind of saw that. And uh, so that's why you only want to season the outside of the meat and not all of the meat. Hmm. Now, with, with regard to the dimple, um, uh, I actually went to um, uh, Cook's Illustrated, and the, the dimple depends on how you cook it. David, what was your temperature? I, it seems like it would be fairly hot if you're, if you're done in like six minutes through it to a uh, side. The average was 500 and I think 30 degrees was the average grill temperature, the surface. On, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, but you were on a gas grill, right? Yeah, you know, straight on the grates. Yeah. So the the dimple actually, uh, what they said was basically that the the dimple depends on how you cook it. So if you cooked it like on your stove stove top, you don't need the dimple. The reason you need the dimple is because at 140 degrees of the the temperature of the meat, and if it's getting heat from all sides, it's the collagen that's actually shrinking up, and that's what causes the doming effect. So I um, I typically do dimple, and uh, when I put it on onto the grill. All right. Uh, let's let's see. We got three and a half minutes. Uh, John Solberg, what do you do uh, previous to getting it on the grill? What's your preparation? I use a commercial burger press. It's very similar to Doug's cap idea. It it controls the amount of compression that you're putting on the burger. You weigh it out. You put it in there. You don't overpress it. I season the outside of it, and I go to the grill. Uh, I just I just use salt. I mean, I'm a salt and meat fire guy, so my only seasoning. Pre-cook is salt. No uh, pepper at all? Not until the finish. All right. And then uh, dimpling? You don't buy any of that? You know, I, I did it for a long time, and with the commercial press, and I'm not cooking at you know, high temps, I, I don't find it necessary. I don't know if you're a, a sponsored dimple pr- or a, a commercial presser, but what brand do you find uh, that you like the best? Because I want to get I use a I use a Lem commercial press. It's... Uh, Wesson makes the same press. There are several companies with the same press. It's about a twenty-four dollar piece. You get it on Amazon or whatnot. Yeah, Lem Products is you know the name that pops in my head. Is it uh? Do you have to put paraffin down or like wax paper to keep it from sticking, or is it have well, uh, made out of a nonstick uh, innard? It is an aluminum product. It is coated. I do use burger sheets because they're just so cheap, and it does make cleanup. Uh, I'm kind of clean freaky anyway, so. I always use burger sheets. <laughs> a little. <laughs> hey, it's not a bad way to be. Cross-contamination kills. Yeah. Um, it just helps to clean up and also helps you lift, get the patty out of the press, stack it neatly. They don't stick together. So, uh, And 500 burger sheets are just a couple bucks. What was your uh, ounce of a uh, patty of choice? I really like a five or six ounce burger. Really? Really. Mm-hmm. And it's double smallish. up if you need to. Yeah, but sure. You know, it's 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 two for the price of one. If you want cheese, you can double cheese. It's a good size to cook. You can manage a, a large amount of them quickly. Um, it's if you, you double them up, you're eating ten ounces of beef on a patty. That's not bad. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, Steve. Uh, quickly before uh, we go to the first break, what do you like to do prior to getting it on the grill? I'm I'm more of a get the grill ready real good. I get the grill grate on there. I get it hot. I'll clean it real good, and then I'll get the butter-flavored Pam. I like to spray the grill grate down with. And uh, while I'm doing that, I've got the patties laid out on a cutting board, and I'll, I'll go to my butcher barbecue, uh, the long – the long um, oh, they're his hamburger steak, his steak. Uh, brisket rub and steak. Yeah, no, it's not a brisket. It's got, no, I, can't, I, think it's, I think it's called the long one. I can't remember right now. It's, uh, it's got real salty, and I'll use it. And uh, I just let them sit there for just a little bit, just to let them absorb it. And then I like to keep them neat on that grill grate. I like to see if I can cook them all at the same time and have them come off all at the same time. And I'm usually successful at that. But I think using that grill grate, I think, introduces a whole nother flavor to to the hamburgers, no matter what type of meat, what mix of meat you're using. All right. Well, let's uh, not get into the cooking yet. I was just talking about the, the pre-stuff here. So anything else uh, from a... Flavoring or or uh, pre cook, just put barbecue it. stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we are going to take our first break, and we'll come back and we'll talk to the rest of the gents here. I just give me one second here. Let's see. Grid view window. What the hell? Window like that. Hold on. Hold on. Grid view. Uh, somebody say something real quick. Check one two. Check one two. Test. Hmm. All right. Test two. Oh, I see what's going on. All right. 
Okay. So anyway, uh, let me flip back to here. Just figuring out Skype to make the viewing experience a little better here. You guys stand by, and I'll do a little business here with the folks at home. Talk to them quickly about the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. That's right, Southside Market Barbecue, established in 1882. Southside, the oldest joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated for the same family for three generations, famous for the original beef sausage, coarse ground, and natural pork casing. They also have authentic Central Texas barbecue to sell you as well. All meats, including the prime briskets, are smoked low and slow for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com, and they also uh, ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now, ship later, include a custom gift note, and mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. They're processed in the on-site USDA inspected facility. On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome as well. If you want to eat there, two restaurants at your disposal. Elgin, Texas since 1882 and Bastrop, Texas since 2014. Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. Don't forget, if you shop at southsidemarket.com, you get 10% off your entire online order when you use code BBQ Central. That's all one word and lowercase BBQ Central. BBQ C E N T R A L. All you get for your uh, online order, 10% off. How about that? Not just your first order, every order going forward. SouthsideMarket.com and promo code BBQ Central. And we are back with Burger Talk with the embedded correspondence. Stick around, we'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Are you ready to find out where you rank against all competitive barbecue teams across the country? Visit SmokingWithSmithfield.com to check out your rank. With the Smoking with Smithfield National Barbecue Championship Leaderboard. If you're not signed up, you can't be taking part in it, so do that too at the same website. Registration free, so sign up today. Smokingwithsmithfield.com. And we rejoin the embedded correspondence. Uh, we're talking burgers for now. So, uh, David, you kind of blew the wad on your uh, reveal of all your burger stuff, but that's all right. I mean, that was a uh, great stuff. I just don't want you to feel like we're leaving you out here through the rest of the stuff. If you hear of anything that, of course, that you uh, think is trash or that you want to also weigh in on, just raise your hand and we'll get right to you. Uh, Doug, let's go back to you from a cooking portion. How do we fire up the grill? What temperatures are we cooking at? How do you like to flip? Let's talk cook. Um, I fire up the grill to about 450, 500. And I make sure that uh, I always cook my burgers on a griddle. And I think that's important because I hate uh, for some reason of the, you know, I think it prevents it from crumbling. And uh, before I put it on there, I actually put a little butter on there. Yeah, your buddy Michael Simon uh, likes to put mustard on there for t- to get a le- little extra char. Yeah. But I'll put, uh, I'll put uh, butter on it and then I put it on the grill. And then I, depending on the thickness... So if you get the you know the preformed patties, a lot of times they're thinner. So I'll flip about every three four minutes. Um, but if it's a you know a big thick patty, usually eight to maybe even nine ounces or so, I will uh, probably flip every six to eight eight minutes, and usually it's about three times. All right, uh, what was the size patty that you said you like? Eight I, I like uh, I like uh, anywhere from eight to nine ounces because I think one of the most important things on a burger is the meat to bun ratio and uh-huh. I want to have more meat and I want that meat to be sticking out from the side of the bun. Otherwise I don't want burger. Otherwise you don't want the burger? Well, you know, it's <laughs> to me it's not as attractive. Uh, is it starting to look more like a hot dog if it doesn't do that? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I want a little lojas on my burger. That's right. I want a little lojas on my burger. I got it. So um from a temperature standpoint, are you uh are you Will you thermopen a burger, or do you just do it from time now? Oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll thermopen a uh, burger. So I'll, I'll thermopen it to you know anywhere from one fifty to you know one fifty five. So I'll pull it because there, because there will be a little carryover. So all right, um, let's go to Steve Ray. Uh, Steve, talk to us about your cooking method. 
Yeah, I jumped the gun a little bit. I'm sorry about That's that. Right. I used the I used the grill grates, uh, grill grate side up. Uh, I usually do three across, uh, spray the butter, like I said, on the grill grates. Um, I don't use a thermal pan. I watch the top of the burger and um, I little watch a little bit of when moisture starts popping up on the tops when I turn it. And then I'll usually leave it for about three more minutes. I like to cook anywhere between five and 550 degrees. I find that's what works for me. And um, that's it. Very, very simple. I um, I use uh, butcher's uh, butter, uh, just regular butter flavor grilling oil as my binder for um, – uh, for the for the uh, uh, spices right. and, the, and the flavorings, what have you, I did find something I like a little bit better, and I'm going to share that with you in a little bit. And I found that out today; it's really cool. But um, that's it. That's just it. Just cook it. I like mine about 145. I like mine rare, and it's okay if you know where the meat came from, or and you're you're doing it yourself. A rare hamburger works. All right, John. Uh, let's talk about your cooking method. Man, I'm a fart in a windstorm. I'm all over the place. I feel like I'm like the odd man out here because really? it's like, what do I what do I feel like cooking on today? I'll throw them on a pit barrel, open on a grate. I'll do a charcoal on a, a Jumbo Joe, a gas grill. I, I don't think about it that much. I make fire and I put a burger on there. Is there no favorite way for you to do it, though? Like if you if you could only do it one way for the rest of your I mean, let's ask the Sophie's Choice question okay. here on this show because we ask the hard-hitting questions. If you had to do it I'm, one way for the rest of your life, how are you going to pick amongst? I'm going to a gas grill just because it's the simplest yeah. way to do it. Yeah. And, and and I can make a whole lot of them fast, and it's going to be consistent. All right. Uh, David, are you hearing anything that is uh, – Making you ask internal questions? No, I mean, I would ask Steve. He says he uses on the grill grates. He uses the grated side up. Yep. I prefer the flat side because I want as much contact with a hot surface to get that crust, like you were doing on a griddle in an old diner or something like that. So why would do you prefer the grated side if it's not for anything other than the grill marks? Or I've actually heard some people say they like the texture of the meat better if it doesn't have that crust. So just curious what Steve would say. Steve. <laughs> That's the way I like it, David. <laughs> uh -oh. you know, it's just it's just the way I prefer it. I like the I like the grill marks. I just uh I can do a griddle. I sometimes if I do a griddle, I do it inside on the on the uh, cast iron. Uh I don't know how to answer that question. I feel like I've been put on the spot. So do, I mean is it just like an appearance thing? You just like it because you like it the way it looks better I like or it, what, just nothing? No, I think it right. tastes good. I like the uh, no flare up. I don't have to worry about, you know, heat or uh fire. Have you tried it with the grill grates flipped the other way? Um, uh, yeah, I think I have once or twice. I, I just like I like the I like the little marks. All right, rails up it is for uh, our Tennessee embedded correspondent. All right, so Rick, how do you like it? How do you do yours? Oh, hold on, I got a whole thing here at the end. Just wait. Um, all right, so let's see who's there. Uh, Steve, Doug, Doug. Let's go back to you. Um, finishing. What, what do we like? Are we cheese? Are we everything? Are we very simplistic when it comes to topping? What are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly simplistic. Um, uh, I will say one thing about the griddle. Cooking on the pellet cooker or whatever and flare-ups and stuff, if you cook on the griddle, all that grease doesn't go on, on uh, to the drip pan hmm. and helps prevent uh, grease fires. So, um, it, you know, cooking at that high temperature. Now, in terms of what I like, uh, my favorite one is uh, my wife wife's favorite of course which is uh, pepper jack cheese mm -hmm. and uh, green chilies and i'll put those uh put the cheese on and then i'll put the green chilies and then i will also tint it um so i do that usually at about 145 148 and i'll tint it with an aluminum pan with the aluminum pan mm. going over the drip pan and getting the heat that's coming up from the bottom of the pellet cooker and then that helps melt my cheese a little better i feel so i because i like to put a, a ton of cheese on it you cook all this on a pellet cooker? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I cook it on a pellet cooker. I cook all the time. I cook everything on the pellet cooker. Hmm. Uh, I fry chicken on the pellet cooker. I'm not going to steer that ship into that direction at this point. Although I had a wild fascination to do it, but we'll do that at another time. Uh, all right. So, uh, is there anything else? Uh, no. So, are the green chilies like the stuff out of the can, or you like get hatch chilies from New Mexico, or like what do you prefer? Perfect, exactly. Hatch chilies out of New Mexico, and we'll actually freeze them and use oh. them throughout the year. Really? The Costco has the 505 uh, brand, brand that comes in the in the glass jars. 
those are very good. Um, I know I'm not a I'm not a canned green chili guy. No. All right, uh, Steve. Let's go to you. How do you topping your burger? Oh, uh, cheese, ketchup. What kind of cheese? Uh, American. Yeah. Just the yellow stuff in the wrapper. Love it. Uh, ketchup. That's the only condiment I use. And every now and then I'll put a um, a tomato on it. But lately I've been leaving the tomato off and I've been putting a fried egg on it. Mm, how lately? Uh, last year. I'm, I'm, I've been okay. doing a lot of fried eggs. I'm really getting good at frying eggs. And uh, I put them on there. They're not runny. I, I make them so they're not runny. And uh, that's kind of my uh, burger of choice. What's your trick to doing a fried egg? You, so are you flipping it over or are you leaving it sunny side up? No, no, no. I'll flip it. Okay. What, flip what, it. What's your trick to doing a good fried egg? Uh, the way I do it, I put it in the put it in the skillet, and um, I hit one as soon as I uh, as soon as the white stuff gets a little fried, I hit the yolk and you know make it run. Oh, then I flip it over and um, let it all get hard, and then I slide it on that burger. Got it. All right. Um, and uh, that's it. Yeah, that's simple. All right. Now, tell, you and, would... I, and, and I like it small, it's where you can actually eat it instead of having one of those big tall yeah. things. I like this. Mine is very edible. All right. Um, do you uh, toast the buns? Uh, yeah, I'll throw them on the grill. Yeah. Sure will. Uh, Doug, are you a toast bun guy? Uh, no, not really. Not really? No, it's too much of a pain in the butt. I don't think it adds that what? much. Too I'd much rather of a get pain in the butt. From... You're, you're cooking hamburgers on a freaking pellet cooker and putting buns <laughs> on a pellet cooker is too much of a pain in the butt? I A-D-D. And I burn the buns inevitably. So I always have to toast twice <laughs> as many buns. It's not even direct heat. What are you talking <laughs> about? Holy shit. <laughs> no, I put it on the I put it on the sides over the oh, the direct heat that's yeah. coming from the so I always do that. So um yeah, I always inevitably uh, burn half of them. All right. Uh I asked somebody else already. Uh, was it uh did I ask you, David, if you did the toasted buns? You were not a toast bun guy? Oh, yeah, I'd slather them with butter and toast oh, the buns, absolutely. Right. All right, that was John, but John doesn't eat bread, right? You're not a bread eater, John? Uh, not anymore, but I used to be. So right. I do have a way to build the perfect burger with toppings with a bun. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I do. All right. And it is, first of all, I don't want my burger to be the Bloody Mary of today because that's what burgers have become. Mm. So toasted bun, no oil on that bun. I want to taste a little smoke on it. Uh -huh. Mayo on the bottom bun. All right. Fresh ground pepper, a hamburger patty. That is it. No cheese. Let that juice come out of that patty, get into that mayo and that pepper. Makes amazing sauce. You just got to try it. Mm, no cheese. Well, I, I'm, I'm, again, a fart in the windstorm. I do it all kinds of ways, but if I get to pick one way, that's the way it's going down. All right. Um, so did everybody uh, toast their buns or did somebody say they didn't toast their buns? I forget. Doug doesn't. Doug doesn't. He doesn't prefer. Yeah, he doesn't only, prefer. If, only if requested. Yeah. All right. Because And by the way, as we've just found out, if you're requested, Doug will burn your butt uh -oh. on, a, on a pellet cooker. <laughs> no less. Wow. It's, it's amazing. All right. Uh, so let's quickly go back around the room. We'll start with David since he hasn't gotten to say anything here in a couple minutes. But is there anything else from a burger standpoint, David, that you do? Um, do you, I mean, we didn't really talk about how you uh, prep it and, or how you finish it. But like, what do you do to your favorite burger? Uh, so I, I, I mean, I completely appreciate John's simplicity, but I'm a cheese guy. If a burger doesn't have a cheese, I don't want it. So um, I put cheese on the burger. Condiments, man, that's so subjective. What everybody, you know, whatever floats their boat. Personally, I love the breakfast burger idea with the bacon and the egg and the cheese on it. Um, although Steve. Not picking on you, buddy, but if you don't have a runny yolk, I don't understand why you want an egg on your burger because that's why you do the egg on the burger. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite burger is a good old-fashioned mushroom Swiss. I love the taste of sautéed mushrooms with garlic and maybe a little bit of Marsala wine and topped with a really good Swiss cheese or Havarti, and that's my favorite burger. I don't typically put a lot of vegetables on the burger when it comes to tomatoes, lettuce, etc., um, other than onions. I love a grilled onion on a burger as well. Hmm. All right. Uh, and then, yep. sorry, real quickly yep. with the cheeses, experiment with the cheeses. Try queso. Try um, pimento cheese. I mean, try something different. I've even made a burger with Alfredo sauce as the cheese. It's, it's just fun. It's a burger. You probably can't go wrong. Worst case scenario, you don't like it and you're out a couple bucks. It's not like you're cooking a prime rib wrong or something like that. I mean, just have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, Doug, is there anything else that you do uh, burger-wise? 
Um, uh, I, I like to put uh, a little bit of mustard on the bottom, uh, lettuce over that, then the burger with the cheese, and then uh, onions and tomatoes on top. I like the lettuce on the bottom so that the bottom burger doesn't get uh, soggy if the burger has to set for a while before eating. All right. Uh, Steve, anything else that you do? No. Nothing. Nope. All right. Uh, John, anything else that you do? No, I'm not saying nothing because I'm all for Steve and his not runny yolk and preformed patties. So I'm on the outside here. All right. <laughs> I'm uh, a little bit like Dave's burger bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to become the next one. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so uh, after listening to you guys and uh, the lengths that you guys are going through to achieve this perfect burger further solidifies in my mind <laughs> that I am doing absolutely the right thing, which, of course, is rushing to my nearest grocer's freezer section and buying Bubba Burgers because they are absolutely <laughs> fucking spectacular. The brown box, fire up the gas grill to medium heat, which is about 450 degrees, slam that weird-looking frozen burger patty down on the flat side of my grill grates, with a dollop of Butcher's Barbecue grilling oil, four minutes on one side, flip, four minutes on the second side, perfectly juicy, semi-pink middle, let's call it medium rare, why not? And they are just fucking delicious. American cheese all over the top. Sometimes I will do Swiss cheese just for fun. Always toast the bun. Some ketchup, some mustard. I like pickles. Just kind of depends on what mood I'm in that day. Uh, the cowboy candy jalapeno sometime if I uh, happen to get some from my daughter's boyfriend's mother, if I'm using that chain of command correctly. But, man, oh, man, uh, burgers are great. Uh, but I find, uh, especially with burgers, and uh, while Doug will disagree with hot dogs, sometimes uh, simplicity is the key here. And uh, I don't want to go too far away from what it is, which is a piece of grilled ground beef and i find that to be particularly amazing and i don't want to make it taste like a meatloaf or like something else i just want it to taste like a really good hamburger when they're executed really well we can sit here for 40 minutes and talk about something like this and that's why they're great oh dear we're quickly running out of time and there was a whole nother subject that i wanted to get to and by next month it might not even make a difference so let's just quickly span the dais here and uh, give me your 15 to 20 second preview cut here uh traeger has filed a lawsuit against danson's which is the company that makes the pit boss cooker alleging a number of things uh that they've uh, hired the original traegers there's a lot of uh, murkiness that's going on, uh, that uh, there was a payoff of $9 million for the Traegers to stay kind of out of this business. But I don't know exactly where the key points were. And there was a uh, Traeger uh, online portion that I have, and also there was an answer by Danson's basically refuting everything the Traeger said. Um, but you guys were able to, to read both sides of it. Doug, you're a little bit more intimate on this, so if you want to recuse yourself, that's certainly up to you. Uh, but, David, let's go to you first and uh, get your take on the suit itself, if you think it's going to hold up, and what you think the end might be. Here's what I know. I don't know the specifics of the contract, but I do know that lawyers are p paid an ungodly amount of money to make sure that as much ambiguity in these contracts is removed as possible. There is something in that contract that specifically says what Louisiana Grills or Pit Boss would be allowed to do should they hire either of the Traeger brothers. And if they they either violated that contract or they didn't, and I think it will come out in however far, far this lawsuit goes, I just can't believe that there's any type of ambiguity in the contract that would leave this up to some sort of subjective opinion. Uh, John Solberg, your opinion? It uh, doesn't matter right or wrong. doesn't matter what's in the contract. Traeger has a lot more capital and can fight this fight longer. It's not about who can... It's not about anything other than that. Whoever can litigate this the longest is going to win, and I'm calling Traeger the winner right here now. So are you under the impression they're just trying to squeeze out potential market share gainers then? Uh, well, I got to believe uh, Traeger's not stupid. They think they got a chance, and they can litigate longer than Danson can, so they have a good chance of winning. Otherwise, they wouldn't make the investment. So I think that they are going to try to block that market share out, and I think they'll be able to do it. Uh, Steve, your thought? Well, Danson has uh, hired the Traeger brothers, which... Now, hold uh, on a second. Um, I just want to clarify. I think this is actually a son, or a father and a son. I don't think it's the brothers. Am I right on oh, that, Doc? Well, a duo, a tra the Traeger duo. Okay. And uh, yeah. for some reason, Traeger feels like this has damaged them. They've got to prove damages. Um, 
so that'll be the um, that'll be the main part of the uh, trial if it goes to trial is what type of damage did Traeger suffer by Danson hiring this father and son team to help market pit boss uh, uh, smokers? Uh, Doug, do you have a thought, or are you allowed to say anything? Yeah, I, I'm not an, an employee of Traeger or an agent of Traeger. I am right. sponsored by them and an independent contractor. Anything that I may say is my, my own personal opinion. All right. um, I actually am a business broker, and I, I find it very interesting from the standpoint of usually when there's a transition or a purchase of a business, you've got the non-compete. You can't prohibit the the other, you know, the previous owner from working. Um, you have the name that was transferred, and you know, and in the press release it says the Traeger paid nine million for the exclusive and perpetual right to use the Traeger name, likeness, and reputation in the wood pellet industry. Um, so, you know, if you go to the websites, you see the the old Traeger. You know, I don't know if they paid for the the use of the old Traeger. You know, uh, the barn. You know, in terms of that likeness and in in association with with Traeger, um, and if you're going to trademark or have patents, et cetera, I know that with when they came out with the Timberline, there were 16 patents that they had with the with the Timberline, and then they've also trademarked most of uh, Traeger has most of their uh, grill names. And you know, I, when I did, I, I don't think I've ever been to their website, and uh, I saw that they have you know a tailgater in the same way that Traeger does, and so I don't know who was first, or they have an Austin grill which is very similar to the you know, the, the, the Texas grill and, and they have pro series, which is, you know, identical to what Traeger has. So, um, it, I think it'll be very interesting. And I thought it was interesting that Traeger put out a press release. Yeah. Like they, they, uh, I hate to say, got get, getting out in front of it isn't yes. the, the right thing to say, but, uh, basically announcing that they are filing suit. Yeah, I uh, you know, and uh, I thought it was, that was very interesting from the standpoint of I I don't, I don't know if I really can recall that uh, you know someone has uh, done a press release that they were you know going after another company and stuff. So, but uh, and again, I don't know anything about it from the internal standpoint. That was just what I did in terms of research. If you go to their website, you'll find some of the same stuff. Do you have a, a thought on how it might end up? Uh, yeah, I think Traeger will win. I'm I'm in agreement with John in terms of you know we're just do, and looking at the 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 websites. You know, you look at it and the, I, I was surprised to see the same names and you know there's grills called the Founder Series, etc. So um, I don't even know about that, which uh, to me would seem to uh, to be against what they paid the nine million for. Yeah, and I guess I was surprised. I I, I don't know. When they sold to whoever you know ended up buying them out, uh, well, whatever version of Traeger bought the Traegers out. I mean, does does nine? Of, let me step back and say nine million dollars is certainly a lot of money. But does nine million dollars seem like enough money at that point? Like, did they did they get the Traeger name at a bargain at nine million dollars, Doug? Well, uh, you know that that's interesting. I don't know the structure of the whole. You know, as a business broker, I don't know the structure of the transaction. But it is interesting that there was a dollar amount because um, in most of the transactions we do, the name is just included in the overall purchase. But a lot of times, there's that dollar amount is used for potentially damages or you know, in this sorts of thing. There's usually a clawback type clause, etc. So I think it's a. Uh, Think, think it's interesting, and you know, if you're going to have trademarks or patents, um, the the question is, are you uh, are you going to defend them, and if so, how much is it going to cost you? So, if you're going to do it, you need to defend them, and I think that's what Traeger's doing. All right. So uh, now I did uh, send uh, like a list of four or five questions over to Danson's over the weekend after I had seen this uh, litigation be released, uh, especially in that press release and uh, asked them four or five questions and told them we we're going to be going to air on Tuesday at 10 o'clock. We're going to be discussing this specifically. And if you could uh, have your owner give his answers to these or tell me you don't want to answer them. So uh, to this point, I feel like a real journalist when I say this, I've got no answer back from Danson's on those questions. And they were not necessarily hard hitting, but they were you know pretty direct in, you know, did you read the agreement that uh, the Traegers had on the buyout? And do you feel that there was any uh, malicious acts done in order to, you know, there was a lot of talk of uh, that Pit Boss was trying to confuse the customers. And uh, I would maintain that it's hard to confuse somebody if, even if the model names are the same, it's hard to confuse somebody if you're going to buy a Traeger. I, well, I've never heard anybody say, I've gone, 
I thought I was going to buy X Grill, but I bought X Grill instead. That was my mistake because I thought it was this or that. I think that's going to be a, a pretty big issue. Now, when you get into the minutia of Pro Series versus Pro Series, oh, sure, I mean, then you probably have a little bit more of a hurdle to overcome, but I've never heard anybody say that they've been murkied up enough by uh, one company or another and their advertising to where they went to the store and bought the wrong grill on accident. I mean, people know what they're buying, and we'll see how it goes. But I got no answers back from them, so hopefully uh, in the next week or so we get something back from them, and we'll see how it goes here. Uh, But uh, the fourth Tuesday of the month, I can tell you this. David Huff from Oklahoma, Doug Scheiding from Texas, John Solberg from Michigan, and Steve Ray from Tennessee will be joining me going forward. They are the embedded correspondents, and I say, gentlemen, great burger talk this evening, and thank you so much. And there they are. Look at these guys. The embedded correspondents, of course, doing it live with me every fourth Tuesday and uh, trying something a little bit new with the grid on the video side always trying to keep it a little nice for you guys as we run a little bit long somebody who is currently not under litigation is the barbecue guru way to go bob way to keep everybody at the guru out of trouble for another week uh the barbecue guru has always believed that outdoor cooking should be easy and fun because it can be they have this new thing called the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. It's the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control and greater freedom with automatic temperature controllers. Easily choose your cooking time and temp and let the Monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill, and you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. If you already have a Barbecue Guru pit controller, you don't have to get a new one in order for it to work on the monolith. Just connect it right to that built-in power draft fan, and away you go. Now, if you want to upgrade that technology, go to the website, bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com. Or give them a call at 800-288-GURU, and they'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We are back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Be right back. This is Steve Ray with Owl's Nest Barbecue, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show with Greg Rempe. Can you believe it? Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today. Greg Rimpy. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to the Embedded Correspondents for joining me the last two segments, mostly talking about burgers. So hopefully you learned a little something there. If you weren't in the YouTube chat, you were missing some great one-off zingers in there as well as far as uh, burger advice, like uh, mixing in gently cold water to help retain juiciness during cooking. I'm just deciding whether or not I want to read the Traeger complaint. Uh, I guess I don't. If you're interested or you haven't seen it, uh, just go to my Facebook page and the Facebook show page, by the way, and I believe I have it there and I might have Danson's reply as well. I believe I posted both of those. If I didn't and you're really interested, just let me know and I will make sure that I Send the links that your way, and then you can follow along. This is what we do. We're following along what's happening in the live fire industry. Now, we whoever thought we'd come to a point where we have pellet manufacturing fights? Now, trust me, if your last name is Traeger, and you don't work for Traeger, and you're going to work for a different pellet cooker company, I mean, it's just bound to be some kind of a mess. Your last name is Traeger. Right? That's going to be a mess. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with CB, Chris Becker from CookinPellets.com. Make sure that if you have a pellet cooker, you give Cooking Pellets a shot. They make great pellets. So good. Then we talked with Steve Ray from Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. Mm-hmm. Talked about trailer maintenance. 
Stop blowing out your spindles, axles, and bearings and wheels. Do the right maintenance. Come on. And in the second hour, we talked to the embedded correspondents about burgers. And we talked a little bit about the Traeger lawsuit that's been filed against Danson's, the company that makes Pit Boss. We have a bonus week coming up next week. Dare I say, one Myron Mixon makes his reemergence on the show in the first hour. Talking about A, B, Q. A, B, B, Q. Whatever. B, B, Q, and A. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just got word Myron Mixon back down. Sorry. Uh, Myron Mixon will be in. Meet Mitch is also in next week. Somebody else is already booked up for next week, too. Who is it? I forget. Big show already booked. All booked. Myron Mixon, Meet Mitch, amongst others. Let's just say that way. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.